post the work that you want to get. I'd say that's huge. You know, whatever type of work you want to be getting, you have to be shooting that content. And if you're not getting hired for it, pull out your wallet, go book, you know, a model or something and uh, go film and don't wait around for the right client or the right work to come your way. You have to create it yourself, in my opinion. That's what I wish I would have done long ago. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast. I'm your host Dave Mays here in the Polar Pro Studio. Today's guest is Ben Hess, who's a full-time freelance filmmaker who's also made a name for himself on YouTube and Instagram. Ben has worked with talented people such as Sam Elkins and Peter McKinnon, as well as large brands like Epidemic Sound. I really enjoyed my interview with Ben. We shared a camaraderie of experience in the wedding cinematography world, as well as the freelance video and film world and now of course in the YouTube space as well. In my interview with Ben we talk about how to get started in the creative industry and some tactics that he used to be able to work and collaborate with some incredible names. I really enjoyed my interview with Ben so without any further ado let's listen in on that interview. So Ben, before we get started, we, uh-huh. uh, we're we going to play a little game called One Word Rapid Fire. Let's do this. We've got a bunch of questions here. Just answer them as quickly as possible. Okay. Where are you from? Bakersfield, California. Favorite cinema camera? Ooh, uh, Red Gemini. Favorite cinema lens? Ooh, Atlas Anamorphic 65mm. Best location to film? Oh, man. Mammoth Mountain. <laughs> Go-to favorite movie? The Dark Knight. How would you describe your editing style in one word? Ooh, perfect. <laughs> favorite stills camera? Um, 5D Mark III. Five, favorite stills lens? 35mm 1.4. Go-to favorite drone? Inspire 2. Alfredo sauce or marinara? Marinara. Did you cut your cable? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> like, do you still have cable? Never had it. Television? Ne- Netflix. Ne- Netflix? <laughs> yep. Mac or PC? Mac, all the way. Android or o- iOS? iOS. <laughs> Uh, and I guess we answered this earlier. Old Kanye or new Kanye? <laughs> uh, I guess new Kanye, yeah. Heck yeah, man. Cool. So <laughs> a couple of those things we'll get back to uh, in our conversation. But first, I just want to get to know you. You know, we just oh, met yeah. as you walked in here. And um, I'm a filmmaker. I have about 10 years of experience mm-hmm, as a freelancer. Mm-hmm. And then I started doing YouTube about two years ago. Uh, how did you get started in filmmaking? Yeah, so let's see. When I was in high, well, I've always had like a family camera, you know, running around when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and we'd make short little films with my cousins and stuff. And then I saw a flyer for a local film festival in my hometown, and this was for like college and youth and high school. And so I'm like, let's do this. So I like saved up all my allowance or you know money that I earned. Bought a Canon T3i. Nice. Entered the film festival and was like, this is amazing. We ended up winning, but the competition was really low. So what, what year is this? Like 2010 or something? Yeah, or this was like 20, 2012, I think, right around there. Yeah. So I, I'm 24 now and I competed when I was like between like 15, 16 and 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of opened up my eyes to like, oh man, making movies is so awesome. And then I competed a second year and we ended up tying for first place. And keep keep in mind, this is like real, like a lot of people were still shooting on like just old family cameras, but because I had the T3i and like the nifty 50, Mm -hmm. like it it looked so good with the bokeh. And so then I got a day job out of high school and I started doing weddings on the side because Mm -hmm. I worked with all these guys that were getting married and they're like, Hey, you got a camera. Can you shoot my wedding? And I'm like, um, first one was video, but then they were asking me to do photo too. Mm. So I I would never do both at the same time, either one or the other. It's very hard. Oh yeah. And so that kind of, uh, you know, grew this wedding photography and video business. Mm-hmm. So from about the ages of 18 to now, uh, or last year, I was doing, built up this nice wedding photography business wow. in my hometown. And in that time, this is the cool part. I was I kind of backed away from like the Hollywood, like wanting to be a feature film director or something. Yeah. And then I don't know if you guys remember Film Riot. 
Of course. Yeah. So I'm they had friends of Ryan. Oh, really? That's yeah, too yeah, funny. Yeah. So they had the Monday challenge, which is recreate any scene from a movie. Mm-hmm. And long story short, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger had his love child thing. <laughs> and then that kid moved to Bakersfield and really? we went to the same youth group. And I became friends with him without even knowing he was Arnold Schwarzenegger's son. No way. And then his last name is not Schwarzenegger. It's Baena. It's, yeah. His okay. name's Joseph Baena. And so then the. I, I, I eventually figured it out that he was his sure. son. Yeah. And then the, the Monday challenge was recreate any scene from a movie. And this was after, this was probably when I was like 18, 19 years old. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, hey, Joseph, let's recreate Terminator 2. <laughs> we recreated Terminator 2 and I like edit it and I upload it to YouTube. It gets like 100 views the first day. Uh-huh. And then the next day, I just wake up to phone call after phone call. If it, long story short, it got like a million views within a few days. Wow. It was everywhere on the news for like two weeks. It was the coolest thing ever. That's so fun. Um, and was it designed for the Film Riot yeah. contest? So yeah. I'm sure Ryan loved the fact that it gave him publicity as well a little bit, right? Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because everyone was saying it was made for Film Riot, and so... But, of uh, course, the, the news was that Arnold's son it, yeah. is playing Terminator, and you shot it to look identical to it. As, Pretty to much, scene ability. for scene. So you guys should just Google... Well, this is a video know. podcast. If mm-hmm. you're listening to the audio, go to goldenhourpodcast.com, uh-huh. and you can watch the video. If it's okay, can we put a clip Oh, of yeah, it? of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you can see the video on the website uh, mm-hmm. on our video right now if you're listening to the audio. Yeah, so, I mean... Obviously, it kind of blew up because his name was attached to it. I gave it my best, but yeah. at the time, I shot that on the 5D Mark III with mm-hmm. Magic Lantern. Heck yeah, so, <laughs> so you're shooting raw. I shot raw yes. on the Magic on Dude, 5D Mark III. I uh, I bought the 50D uh, back uh-huh. when the Magic Lantern stuff was happening, mm-hmm. and I did a hack on that, and that went viral on Vimeo. Really? Oh I was my one goodness! Of the first people to put raw 50D Magic Lantern. I don't uh-huh. know if you remember that camera. It was before the 60 and 70. Okay, yeah, yeah. You could buy that camera for like 200 bucks and then shoot. <laughs> like 1080 raw off of it you that's know? incredible so, um, yeah but yeah those were fun days man so did you study in film school at all or did you just go straight out of high school um what, what i like to call it is a uh, youtube university pretty yeah. much just uh <laughs> you know youtube just looking at I other films just studying who i liked what mm-hmm. i didn't like and kind of crafting my style i love so, it so yeah. yeah same here i you know it's funny we're very similar i was 17 years old started mm-hmm. shooting wedding videos yeah yeah um that was 2008 i'm a little older than I'm almost 30, but like mm-hmm. 20, 2008 was when the 5D Mark II first came out. I remember. Uh-huh. We, we sold our Sony uh, Handycams and bought a bunch of DSLRs. Yeah. And I was living in Nashville at the time. Mm-hmm. And we uh, were some of the only people shooting on DSLRs. And so that really launched. Blowing everyone career. out of the water with yeah, the quality so and stuff. Over the next six years, you know, it grew and grew. And we ended up doing like 300 weddings in those six Whoa. years. Whoa. <laughs> uh, had, you know, crews and everything. And we were some of the early drone adopters and stuff. So like that whole world, especially the wedding world, like, believe me i feel your pain and i know mm-hmm. like what you've dealt with i think wedding videography especially is so daunting because not only does it require i think multiple people to do it but also mm-hmm. uh the editing is so grueling oh i know yeah <laughs> but uh photography as well you have to be kind of the boss of the whole day in a way yep I mean, yep of course the wedding planner does a lot too but i think the wedding photographers kind of guide the day quite a bit oh for sure yeah Yeah. so you you have to be very outgoing you have to be personal you know all these people have to essentially like you yeah yeah because you're you're basically with the bride and groom the entire day you know so you have to be very likable very you you got to make sure i don't know how to put it but make sure that third day is as best as you can yeah. mm-hmm. um you know i feel like the photographer video guy does does a yeah. huge plays a huge role in that so do you ever go to weddings and you don't shoot them um i haven't been to a t- i just went to one recently with a friend yeah something? yeah it was, it was a close friend of mine yeah. and so what did it feel like to you it was interesting i was cringe a little bit yeah i was watching like the videographers and i was like I would do things differently, but then again, I can't judge someone else's style, yeah, sure. you know, but um, it was, I felt like so stress-free. I was like, huh, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. I'm wow. not stressing at I all. I can actually sit with my wife and enjoy this time. Enjoy the wedding, so. <laughs> Have you ever gone to weddings with your wife as a guest and then you work it at the same time? Um, No, okay, no I've happened done that done multiple that. times. Real? Oh yeah. my goodness. I've, I have so many friends that have been getting married and like I'll shoot their wedding or whatever. Yeah. And my wife just comes as a guest and then I'm mm-hmm. balancing like being guests also shooting. Oh yeah. Have you ever been a groomsman in a wedding? 
while also shooting it at the same time? No, but that might happen because my yeah. cousin just got engaged. <laughs> and so I think that's going to happen next October, he said. Welcome. Yeah, yeah. It's tough, man. Are you still doing it? Are you still promoting you, the fact that you do it? Yeah. So last year, um, it was probably my last biggest year doing weddings. Mm -hmm. uh, I did about tw I did about 25 weddings the past yeah. like two or three years. Mm -hmm. This wedding, I only did about maybe a dozen, like eight to eight to 12 yeah and then this next year i'm only going to take a very few select sure um because i wanted to save more time for my filmmaking yeah. um, endeavors so of course mm -hmm. and uh no no hate against any uh amazing wedding videographers and uh photographers out there um i just know for me after 300 of them it was time mm -hmm. to move on yeah <laughs> yeah it's and it, i feel like it's such a good like probably weddings or like music videos or you know yeah. stuff like that where it's easily scalable you could start mm. small and work your way up so it will teach you so much oh, business yes. stuff like mm -hmm. i learned an incredible amount of just like how to talk with people mm -hmm. like how to book clients how to raise your rates like mm -hmm. it, it helped me a lot in the filmmaking world Absolutely. to you know and yeah. you're telling the same story over and over and over so you have mm -hmm. to get creative you have to learn your how to use composition you have to learn how to work with people like you said oh yeah yeah i uh, i think i learned more you know doing that than i ever would have going to school mm -hmm. so, um and it, all the skills that you learn in the wedding world especially for video can be applied to especially i think youtube space oh yeah the quick yeah. turnaround being you know run around on your feet being quick and uh -huh. responsive to things that are happening around you um so anyways yeah well what's interesting sense, is so at that film festival that i went to somehow i don't know how they got someone but last minute it was like a producer for marvel and there was a big it was like it's like a line producer or something so and he was like on set of all the marvel movies mm. and it was a huge dinner table of like probably 150 people before this film festival and i just happened to sit across from him and oh, so wow. we we get to talking and just to show you like you never know what can come down the road like we, we talk, we exchange numbers, follow each other on Facebook. And then years later, he's still following me with my wedding stuff. And he started his own little side producing company. And he called me up and said, Ben, I love how you can do weddings because that's, I know you can work under pressure real fast, get a fast turnaround. Mm -hmm. And I need something like that, a shooter like that for these projects that I'm getting. And so, you know, like three or four years later, he's calling me up yeah. to do these things because he sees my wedding stuff. So yeah. it's, it's crazy wow. that, you know, how these... Yeah, these friendships or people that you meet can pay off years down the road, even totally. if you don't think it will. And so. don't discredit it, right? Like mm -hmm. cause things like that could happen. You never know. Oh yeah, so, yeah. That's amazing. Um, were there any initial projects or films that you watched growing up that were a big inspiration to you as you developed as a filmmaker? Hmm. I always love movies that made you like feel something. Yeah. Like The Dark Knight. I just yes. like man, it, that movie is just incredible of to course. me at least. I agree. Uh, Anything Christopher Nolan makes, I love. The whole intro sequence, I remember seeing an IMAX at midnight with all my friends. Really? Oh, and man. Yeah, we had a, we Nashville has one of the last 70-millimeter film mm -hmm. uh, IMAX theaters in the country, actually. And so we saw it in 70-millimeter, and it was incredible. And that whole sequence, the Joker sequence. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, my gosh, it's so amazing. And then I was like, why is Rachel not Katie Holmes anymore? Yeah. That was the big question. <laughs> um, uh, and kind of frustrating that she didn't mm -hmm. continue that role. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure she's... Uh, angry that she didn't do it. Oh yeah, maybe Tom yeah. Cruise had something to do with it. I don't know. But anyways, <laughs> um, are, are there any other filmmakers that you look up to that you draw influence from other than Chris Nolan? Let's who's see. a good one to look mm -hmm. up to. <laughs> um, I can't. Th I honestly can't think of are any. You a Fincher one of the fan? Um, yes, yeah. I, Social Network was big for me. I love that movie a lot. It's been a long time since I've seen he's that. Dark but and creepy. Mm -hmm, yeah, um, I love. You know, of course, stock answers Wes Anderson. But how can you not love the? the the way that he shoots yeah, and the way yeah. that he edits it's beautiful oh yeah so yeah. unique um it's impossible to replicate it because then you're just a knockoff mm -hmm. but true um, but true. man what a way to create your own kind of image right yeah yeah um spielberg lucas i guess yeah right? i'm trying but, to um jj oh, abrams of course. I, I appreciate well, him so a lot he fixes star wars we'll, we'll know yeah soon enough. yeah we'll know soon <laughs> um but yeah, Mandalorian's pretty awesome too. Have you seen that? Which one? Mandalorian on Disney. Plus. I have not seen it yet, mm. but I've seen been seeing a lot of Baby Yoda on Instagram. Oh no! So. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I need to uh, I need yeah. to jump on it. So. Yeah, John Favreau is I guess a great director. Now that he's he's did Iron Man, he's done you know Jungle Book and all these films. Oh yeah, I love love him. Uh, so. Chef was a great film. Mm -hmm. I love that show. Anyway, yeah. sorry, we're rambling. Um, so so you went from high school, you went to wedding and uh, day job, uh -huh. and you started doing that, and then what happened? What what went from yeah. there after the wedding? 
stuff. And so after the after the Terminator thing, I'm like, all right, I need yeah. to pursue the film industry. Like, I need to be the next big time. I, mean, I need to be the next Steven Spielberg. Mm. And so there was an acting coach at this film festival that I went to. I called him up and I said, hey, I can, can I join classes? Not to become an actor, but to become a better filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And my two reasons was, you know, one, to become a better filmmaker and learn what it takes to be on the other side of the camera, but also, I didn't know any actors where I live, because mm. I'm about two hours north of Los Angeles, and there yeah. just isn't a film community there, uh-huh. and I'm like, what better place to meet actors in acting class? Yeah. So, I started going to that. I learned so much. Um, I did it for wow. about a year, so every Friday, I would drive two hours to go to acting class. Uh, and it would end at like midnight, and I'd get home at 2 a.m. Mm. My wife's all worried I'm going to drive off the road because I'm yeah. tired or something. <laughs> <laughs> when I was finished with acting classes, yeah. I'm like, the Hollywood, it's not as glamorous as you think. Like, you're working a lot of hours. Yeah. And whoever kind of owns the big studios, I felt kind of owned the movie industry, yeah. like owned your time. And I wanted freedom and flexibility mm-hmm. to go. I love the mountains, so I want to be able to just go to the mountains when I want or spend time with family. Yeah. And so me, I thought maybe this, you know, big Hollywood director stuff isn't quite where I need to be right now. Mm-hmm. And then I was wondering what I'm going to do. So I was just doing my weddings, kind of coasting. And then this is where it gets interesting. A guy named Samuel Elkins, a uh, big photographer on Instagram. Yeah, I know Sam. He, he posted. Gonna, we've been trying to get him on the podcast. Oh, really? Months. Well, I can yeah. get you on. I'll Please. get him on here. <laughs> we were going to try to get him this week, but he's out of town. Really? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, he posted. Uh, he said he's in the Utah and he said, I'm moving from Utah to Los Angeles. Filmmakers message, email me. Yeah. So I did exactly that. I emailed him, sent him a few uh, videos that I had made. And, he, and then he's like, oh, this is great. Let's meet up. And so pretty much I met up with Sam and the rest is history. Like I can wow. go into a lot more detail of how it all works out. But yeah, yeah it all, all kind of changes. Well, what from, do you mean? Did he hire you or yeah. you guys became friends or what? So this is the this is the cool part. He We got an hour. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right, so Sam Elkins, he says, let's have coffee. Um, this was like a week after that initial you know, email. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, sweet, he responded. And so I was like, I need to show him that I have the worth ethic and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I drive down there. We have coffee. He's like, hey, you know, I, I could, I can't really pay you a lot right now, but next week, Classic. Can, you, can you, can you, uh, <laughs> That's how it always starts. Oh yeah. Can you come back down and shoot a YouTube video for me? I want to make it on why I moved from Utah to Los Angeles. Uh-huh. And I'm like, of course I can. And so, you know, I, I basically, I left LA and then, uh, you know, a few days goes by, I come back down and I, I filmed it as best as I could. Mm-hmm. I was like so nervous, like filming with them. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. I hope this turns out good. And I go in and edit that like as best I can. Mm-hmm. And this is for free, you know? Yeah. And so he uploads it to Instagram. Like everyone loves it. And and then he's the Instagram because he's yeah, such a big Instagram. Yeah. Or actually anti. So he put it on like on YouTube both. and Instagram. Sure. And then, uh, then what happened? Then I was, then he's like, sweet, let's continue making more. And then he got, uh, his agent or manager. I can't remember which one. And he said, dude, I just got this job for clear. It's the, where you get to the airport security faster. Uh-huh. He's like, let's fly to San Francisco. I got a job for us. And I'm like, it was that fast. Like wow. I, I took the time to drive down there to meet for free for yeah. 20 minutes four hour round trip same thing went and shot for free totally showed them what i'm made of and then boom a big job happens literally like right after that that happens all the time mm -hmm. because people just want to realize that they can trust you that they can rely on you and you did that you showed that you have Mm -hmm. the work ethic and boom like as soon as a real job came about he was like all right let's go yep yep and that's a great tip for anybody listening who's starting out like just even offer yourself for free, maybe mm-hmm. for, to certain people. Oh yeah, things like that can happen. I always call it like ed, like an educated guess, or like you don't want to just work for free for anyone, but yeah. you want to make sure it's kind of like the right fit. Yeah, um, I mean, for Sam anyone was listening. an influencer mm-hmm. who had potential uh, to hire you. You mm-hmm. don't want just some random brand who like sees your work and sends you an Instagram DM. It's like, hey, uh, we make these random uh, sports coats. Could you do mm-hmm. a free video for us? You know, that's not yeah. going to go anywhere. Yeah, you want to make sure it aligns with where you want to be going. You know, in the future. And pretty much ever since that clear video, <laughs> uh, pretty much ever since that clear video, it was just job after job after job. Awesome. And we were, we went to like, uh, you know, Utah, Colorado, San Francisco more. And then that all led to so many, that pretty much led to, I'm, I'm where I am now because of that initial mm-hmm. like meeting with Sam Elkins. It's insane. Do you still so, work with him? Oh yeah. All the time. Oh, cool. Yeah. So are you sort of his go-to second shooter? Yeah, so or? for the first 
first year, I did a lot of his YouTube content and pretty much most of his brand deals yeah. that, that required video. I had to go shoot it for him. Mm -hmm. This year, uh, because I do live two hours north, he has a, a few other shooters that will film his YouTube videos. Sure. But he calls me up for the bigger projects. Mm -hmm. uh, so super appreciative of that. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and then we even made like a course together for him, uh, which is done pretty well. So it's uh, it's crazy what can come from just one one connection or relationship. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so throughout that whole journey, when did you buy a red? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> circling back to the Terminator video, uh -huh. I was like looking through the comments one day and someone commented, Yo, man, uh, I have a red. Next time you're going to shoot something like this, let me know and I'll drive down and film it for you. And then I was that kind of got me thinking like, oh, maybe I could look up reds again. And then I realized they were coming out with some models that were less, ex they're still expensive, but less expensive yeah. than the previous mm -hmm. ones. Not the Model uh, X, but more like the Model 3. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so... I went from the T3i, mm -hmm. and then I'm like, I need uh, a full frame camera. And then I saw so I got the Mark III, uh -huh. and then I'm like, oh, I could put Magic Lantern on this. And I love the raw capabilities. Yeah, but it was still so limited, and, and the work, all the conversion and all yeah, that. It's annoying. Workflow sucked, and I'm like, I just need a red. And so somehow I convinced my That's wife a big to jump there. Yeah, somehow I convinced my wife to let me get one, and I got it because I did the weddings. I worked. She's shaking her head no yeah. right now, but uh. <laughs> I worked. Uh, my day job and I did the weddings on the side uh -huh. and we lived pretty conservatively and mm -hmm. that that's what allowed me to get the red um, and I got the Scarlet W and then I put my name on a list and I got it like a year later or something like that mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I upgraded to the or uh, Gemini when that came out. Yeah, about what's the specs on that? Is that it's, full frame or is that just like um, 8K No, or well, there's so many different like uh, Super 35 crop sensors. So this one's actually pretty close to full frame. It's 1.2, okay. 1.22 or whatever. Nice. Um, and so I really like it. And I got, yeah. then, then after I got my Gemini, no, after I got my Scarlet W and I was going to trade it in for the Gemini, I'm like, man, I need uh, I need some anamorphic lenses. That'll mm. take it to the next oh, level. Yeah, that'll, that'll be real cheap. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so somehow I convinced my wife to let me do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it sounds like you convince yeah. her because every time you deliver on like bringing in the work at mm -hmm. least, right? So yeah, pretty. Much, yeah. I, I always justified my purchases like if it shouldn't be this way in the industry, but it's like I had a red, and people would be like, "Oh, he has yeah. a red. He knows what he's doing." And yeah, you know, I don't know what I'm doing all the time, but like that kind of helped a little bit, especially with like my Instagram and stuff. And the, and then, um, but a lot of time, a lot of the money came from my weddings, believe it or not, mm. just no, saving. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause you were there. <laughs> There's a lot so, of profit there yeah. sometimes. And, uh, I mean, it's crazy how I, I was talking to a photographer who does some really high end stuff. And he said, he's like, I'm not specifically better than someone who's charging half my price. Mm -hmm. I just wear a suit and charge three times as much. Yeah. yeah. I, I happen to be that photographer. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. It's like <laughs> people, it's a consumer product, like buying and booking wedding films and video and photos. Oh, for sure. And it's all about marketing. Yep. You know? Yep. So, 100%. Because a lot of times the clients don't actually know the difference between a good photographer and a bad photographer. Yeah. Yeah. So as long as you're a good person and uh, fun to be around but but yeah it's interesting how you do have like two kind of split sides at least on the internet you have Ben Hess films and then you have uh, photos right? yeah so that's my Instagram that I first had was Ben Hess photography and that's where I posted all my I, I, I like to do like the model like videos and portraits yeah. too so I would do that and my weddings mm. and I kind of retired that like if you go on there I haven't really posted at all in the past year mm -hmm. and now it's just my Ben Hess films cool and so you've rebranded as a filmmaker. Yeah, and that kind of hurt to give that part, like to set that part to the side or put it on the back burner yeah. and retire that. And so I was like, ah, oh, because I built it up and now yeah. like, it's just letting it go. And so it's pretty much all been word of mouth though yeah. um, this past year. Um, and now it's for the wedding stuff. And now yeah. it's transitioned to the... Uh, to the Ben S films. And what's interesting is when Samuel Elkins put that thing out there for videographers to email him. I sent him passion projects that I, I film with these little models, like I'd go do photos and then uh, we've, I'd film videos with my red. So they were like these little fun passion projects and I did those cause I liked them and they were so fun to put on YouTube and stuff. And that gave me content to send to Sam. Yeah. And so it was a passion project mm -hmm. that I was able to send him. And if I didn't have that, I don't know if we'd be working together if I didn't yeah. shoot that video because I wanted to. Exactly. So That's another good tip. If mm -hmm. anybody's listening and they want to get started, even if you're not being hired for that thing that you mm -hmm. want to do, 
figure out a way to do that while you're also doing your paid gigs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Really clever, really smart way to transition there. Ha I mean, has the transition been successful so far? Yeah. So what's interesting is my day, I worked at a supplement store out of high school. That's mm -hmm. what it was. And it w went like from workout supplements. Yeah. Like protein powder. Gotcha. So I originally was supposed to be like their social media guy and I just yeah. went straight into sales. So nice. <laughs> uh, it went from like, you know, hundred percent supplements to then uh, like 50% supplements and then of, of my income yeah and then weddings like were about your actual health no no yeah, yeah. and then uh <laughs> income, it yeah. was like 50 percent weddings 50 percent supplement income and then started getting like more weddings and soon i was making like double in weddings what i was at the supplement place yeah and then i'm like okay then i eventually left the supplement shop because i was making more than i would have uh with my weddings and then i slowly transitioned from weddings i was doing like let's say 90 percent weddings 10 percent filmmaking then slowly that number started shifting the other way gotcha so i'm constantly kind of transitioning and now i'm i'm almost that like you know i'd say 80 percent filmmaking only 20 percent weddings so mm -hmm. it's just kind of carefully transitioning from one season where you want to be to the next if, for me yeah yeah that's amazing and mm -hmm. uh i highly recommend anybody who's wanting to get out of maybe a day job that's a great way to do it just mm -hmm. start doing it on the side and then you can slowly balance that scale the other way until, yeah, until you start at least making the same amount mm -hmm. i know for me um i was a freelance filmmaker and then i started doing youtube and I realized there was a, a point where YouTube revenue was enough to live off of, but it mm -hmm. was kind of not enough. It was like, we'd have to be really budget conscious. And yeah. so I actually wanted a little bit of that passion to push myself to do you more. You have to. Uh -huh. So I actually, mm -hmm. at a point where it probably wouldn't have been wise, I said, no more freelance. Uh -huh. And it kind of gave me a fire that I needed to oh, work yeah. harder. Mm -hmm. And I eventually, because of that, there was about two or three months where we were like looking through our penny like jar just to pay for gas. Yeah. But then after that, <laughs> everything uh -huh. like paid off and, um, you know, it ended up working. I love that. Yeah, I think it's all about just like my acting coach would call it raising the stakes yeah. to, to make a scene like for actors, just make make the scene feel real more somehow. Mm -hmm. But same for business, just raise the stakes. Yeah. You did that. And, yeah. so, and then sure enough, it gives you the fire and the drive and the hunger. To yeah. really push yourself further I've, than you would have. I've heard actors like shooting on film for that very reason. Every time you hear the... T oh, yeah. That's money. Like, that's a lot money. of money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw an interview with uh, Shia LaBeouf and he said, I hate it. I, I want to shoot digital that way. I can just like improvise <laughs> for like three hours. Yeah, yeah. You know? But I mean, who wants to shoot one scene <laughs> yeah. for that long? Oh, yeah. Um, so if you go to your YouTube page, um, mm -hmm. there, there has been like a huge transition on your YouTube page as well. If you mm -hmm. look at it, you've got all these like uh passion projects occasional wedding stuff um your own personal projects and mm -hmm. then something happened about a year ago where it's like boom now you're a youtuber it looks like yeah <laughs> so, so i what's your like what's your your strategy for that are you wanting to get into that more or what yeah so my instagram kind of took off a few probably about like six months ago um and then I'm like, man, I need to capitalize on this and make, because I saw, you know, YouTube's really blowing up for a lot of people and um, yeah. and there's still so much opportunity out mm. there. And I feel like I'm pretty good in front of the camera, like talking and just feeling that personality, like having a good personality. Yeah. And so my YouTube still isn't where I need it to be. I have a few um, kind of like product reviews, but I just want to mm. get onto a consistent basis where it's more tutorials and Samuel Elkins told me one time, like, make what you want to watch. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's so true. Like, and I, so for me, I really want to start making like short little commercials. Mm -hmm. um, like spec? Yeah, kind of spec work or passion projects and have someone there to film the whole behind the scenes. And I could show the process from the idea to the final edit. Nice. You know, like the shooting, the just how I light things. Like, that's kind of like what I would like to see. And yeah. so. I want to, uh, yeah, my YouTube's a little slow right now, it's but okay. that will be uh, ramping up pretty soon. So <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that really I've been soaking on these last couple of months, as I mentioned, I had another baby like mm -hmm. almost two months ago, and I just have been so exhausted and I haven't been working very mm, much. Yeah. And as a creative and as an entrepreneur, I've always kind of been like, oh, this sucks. Like, I'm, I'm really slacking. But like the truth uh -huh. is, is like, 
if you put anybody in my circumstance, they would be exhausted too. Oh, so like, 100%. And it's okay to kind of chill for a little bit. It's okay to like be wise and, and take your time with things because this is a lifelong career. Yeah. You know, I'm almost 30. I, I would say I probably got at least 30 or more years left in me. Mm-hmm. And I'll probably be doing the same thing for the next 30 to 40 years. And like, <laughs> so what if a couple of months I got to like put the breaks on a little bit you know oh right? yeah and especially so, for a kid you know you gotta yeah, be with yeah. your family and that's so. the most important uh-huh. and as i've had now two kids i'm realizing like oh man this is so much more fulfilling and important than any success i could ever have in career oh yeah i remember hearing that from my dad who's a musician he was uh, a solo artist in the 90s and stuff and uh, that's why i grew up in nashville oh, but, okay okay um, uh-huh. and he always said he's like i didn't go on tour i didn't do the whole musician thing because i wanted to be home and i wanted to be with you guys mm-hmm. and i might have had more success financially or success in my career but at the end of the day like who cares you know yeah and i'm yeah. grateful that he did that because he's, he's an amazing dad so mm-hmm. um, that's awesome so yeah i mean at the end of i i always was like well that you know you should have done that like you should have been more successful that's what i always thought mm-hmm. now that i'm in those shoes i realized like oh no like my dad totally had his head on straight and that's yeah. totally correct yeah so anyways why not ari why why didn't you go ari with uh, an alexa um i feel like the red is a little i actually truthfully i didn't really know too much about ari ari however you want to say it yeah, <laughs> um, ari, ari. up until a few years ago uh-huh. and so i think the red was pr- i think it was just cheaper it though cheaper. too well um, uh, you can buy one pretty cheap used now but. yeah they're, yeah they're coming out in price still a little pricey but um between yeah. like five and eight thousand bucks you could probably pick a red up but the yeah. I, I guess the reds seem more popular online so i'm like yeah I just i well, just want the frame rates too so. yeah i'm like i just want a red you know and yeah, so totally. yeah <laughs> what are you thinking now though in 2019 now that you, um, you have this thirty thousand dollar thing should you just sell it and go re or what do you think um i'm probably gonna hang on to the red just because i'm so accustomed to it yeah my butt my close friend who i do a lot of filming with i think he's gonna pick uh one up an airy uh-huh. so there you go i'll just let him get it and i do want this this the new komodo that's gonna come out which mm-hmm. looks kind of cool i know um, i've seen all about that so so. Is it going to have an RF mount or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You know, what's real interesting is I just bought a RF to EF speed booster. Speed booster, okay. Metabones released it literally two days ago. Oh, my gosh. And I'm going to review it tomorrow. It's coming in tomorrow. So uh-huh. imagine putting, I think, the kimono, whatever it is. It's supposed to be full frame, I think. Yeah, so you yeah. could... I don't know. There might be crops in different frame rates, probably. Mm-hmm. So if you put the speed booster on it, then you get full frame. Right? Yeah. So. What I really want is... Uh, a hydrogen too. A what? <laughs> a red hydrogen too? Yeah. That's, not gonna happen. Um, <laughs> it, the, that's the mobile phone that. Was oh, terrible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. The uh, it's like a speed booster f- for the red. So there's this company that buys them and uh-huh. they like, they buy the mount from Red and they install their own speed booster and then they'll ship it to you. But it costs a few thousand bucks and they're just yeah. finishing the prototypes so of oh, the first wow. round of production. So so that th- would make yours make it like a monstro. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah, yeah. Without having to spend an wow. extra thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's such an expensive game to play in that yeah. higher end side of things. And to be honest, like I've reviewed the Black magic 6k mm. and that camera costs 2500 yeah, 6k uncompressed raw or yeah. compressed and it's like really good oh yeah the the gap between what used to be very expensive or like used to be like like way up there versus it's it's closing i don't oh, know how to yeah. put it but it's like you totally. can get so much quality and value mm. for so little now you're paying an extra twenty thousand for a small percentage better but, yeah. it's, but it's also the perceived value that you've talked about. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But anyways, <laughs> um, I noticed that you did a, a collab with Jonathan Morrison on your video. Yes. Tell me about your relationship with him and how you, you met him. Yeah, and stuff. he just sent me a DM on Instagram. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, I think he was um, probably looking to to bring on some more people onto his uh, into his studio or YouTube uh, channel Yeah. Um, to kind of help him build it up a little bit more. And so uh-huh. I went down there, hung out with him a few times. Um, and then kind of just stayed friends ever since. I never ended up working for him or anything. Um, I'm assuming that's kind of what he wanted to see if I was a good fit to, yeah. uh, but I, I was kind of saying how I want to live in Bakersfield because all my family's still there. Yeah. So I wouldn't be able to really move because he lives even further south of LA down at the yeah. Claremont. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he yeah, messaged me. Evans, all oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I still go down there. I need to go hack, hang out with him Did you ever meet uh, Kim Bolito, the Austin shooter, Kim? I, I mean, I haven't really talked with him, yeah, yeah. but he was there when I've gone down there. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, I 
I just mentioned that because we had Ken on the podcast. Oh, really? And he's a, a friend of mine too. So. Awesome, awesome. Um, yeah, I need to go down there and check out their studio. It sounds pretty epic. Oh yeah, they've got like I've, I've never seen more Rhett, gear in my uh, life. Rettinger too is out out there too, right? Uh, John Rettinger. I, I don't know who that is. <laughs> just another big YouTuber. <laughs> uh, he created Techno Buffalo. Oh, okay, I don't know who it is. So do you actually do you want to be in the YouTube game, or are you trying to like use YouTube as a tool to assist you to become a filmmaker? You mentioned early on in your career you didn't necessarily want to go the traditional film route because mm-hmm. of the just the system mm-hmm. but now are you changing your mind do you want to go into hollywood do you want to be a youtuber in air quotes yes yeah, so good question so i think i've kind of as soon as i started working with samuel elkins he kind of introduced me to this whole short form commercial lifestyle stuff yeah and i've really gravitated towards that because mm. i like the fact that instead of uh, you know, working on a feature length film, which can take years of your life mm-hmm. to accomplish one thing. I could do these short little commercials. It might take a week or two and be done and you can then move on to the next thing, yeah. you know, and then you can also kind of scale up quicker uh-huh. um, and do bigger and bigger projects. And yeah. so I, it was easier to uh, easier to dive into that world. Yeah. Um, so I really want to did you see the unfold video that I did? Yes, I saw it's. I saw this on your website. Okay, yeah, and so that um, that's pretty much exactly what I li- I'd like to be doing, like lifestyle brand, like adventurous, mm. outdoorsy, anamorphic um, flares. Yeah, anamorphic. <laughs> um, and so we'll so, play uh, again. I'll just remind you guys if you're listening to the audio, go to goldenhourpodcast.com and you can watch a video clip of what we're talking about. Yeah, so that's um, kind of the route I want to go for the next couple years. Awesome. And it's how There's you... There's a lot of work for that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. And so I really look up to guys like... Uh, his name's Johnny Mass. Mm-hmm. He's a young director. Um, probably my age, maybe a year younger. But he's doing these multi like hundred thousand dollar up commercials yeah and i'm like wow these are amazing and so um there's a few other guys that i really look up to as well Mm -hmm. but how youtube plays into that i love the the teaching aspect because man there's so many things i've learned through trial and error that i wish i would have known back then that would have saved me years of headache or trial and error do you find do you call would you consider yourself a performer though do you enjoy performing on camera if you will on youtube yeah like it's or teaching or, or something like i that. do i do which i haven't done a ton of lately mm-hmm. um i'll circle back into this in a minute but i'm doing videos for epidemic sound actually nice um, i noticed that on your site yeah and so for youtube i want to create resources that will help basically me five years ago get to where i am now faster uh-huh. if that makes sense um so just help filmmakers get to where they are and i want to i have actually a pack of anamorphic lens flares that i'm coming out with soon and oh, then nice. you built yourself yeah i That's like awesome. it was like 2 a.m i'm just with a flashlight i have Heck a yeah. you know sit with uh in front of the lens it's awesome so i have some resources like that but i also really want to make or that are not out, not out yet but i yeah. want to make a course for filmmakers to just get uh to help fast track or speed track, I don't know what you want to call it, uh-huh. their success. Yeah. Um, and so I would like to use YouTube as a platform to kind of gain the uh, audience, but mm-hmm. also just, I like kind of giving back in that sense. Sure. And so I, I'm still watching YouTube videos all the time on how to get better. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it's just really fun too. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah, it's just a, a nice tool for you, but you, you don't want to mm-hmm. be a YouTuber. Yeah, I don't think, see that's the, biggest thing i'm like dealing with right now do i have enough time to do youtube plus be like a dp director Uh you know so i've been asking a few people and i'm gonna try it out for a few months and see how it goes yeah i'm hoping that with my passion projects that i want to do like i want to do one for oakley or burton and go up Mm -hmm. to mammoth for a week and just film cool snowboarding stuff and you know throw commercials together i'm hoping i can make that for myself Mm -hmm. you know and then that'll build up my ben s films brand but also they'll give me youtube content at the same time yeah exactly so we'll see how it goes <laughs> it's a it's a tough like place to be now i started mm-hmm. three years ago on youtube we just hit seventy thousand subs mm. about a week ago and full-time on that's that. amazing yeah I, I don't know if, if i started now i mean it's only been three years things have changed in three years yep it's nuts mm-hmm. how quick things change and how hard it is to 
uh, kind of rise to the top. Yeah. And yeah. you got to be fast. You got to be consistent. You know, the uh -huh. minimum really, if you're starting fresh, I think is like at least two to three videos a week. Really? Like, yeah. One a week is doable, but really not really. Like mm -hmm. not to become a hundred thousand and up, you know? Yeah. And it yeah. takes a lot of time, a lot of work. Uh -huh. It wasn't until I hired somebody full time to help me to where and are they filming and editing for it. you and stuff or, yeah it yeah. got to a point where we would shoot in the morning and then by the end of the work day we'd have one video done it's okay sort of mm -hmm. one a day one a day and yeah. then um so we do one in one day and then we'd shoot all day the next day and then edit all day the next day so yeah it'd be one quick video and one like thorough good video yeah that's what i was thinking for myself and then yeah. he would edit a hundred percent of it mm. so that was and even with that, you would think I had all this free time, but I was researching, uh, I was I was shooting um, tests and things mm -hmm. like that. And I would just give them like, hey, here's the B-roll for this, here's that. So by having somebody on board really helps tremendously. Oh, I um, bet, and, yeah. But I mean, you know. Which is what I was doing for money. Sam, basically. I was exactly. shooting and editing, so, yeah. yeah. So let's talk about this from the perspective of, uh, you've mentioned you in the past, like you mm -hmm. at 17, 18 years old. Uh -huh. let's, let's imagine somebody like you uh, male or female, obviously, yeah. who's interested in these things. Uh -huh. What do you recommend? Do you think they should go to school? Do you think they should buy a camera like you did and go sh shoot a short film with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's son? What do you think? Yeah, so uh, the film school, that one's a tricky one uh there's because there's some that can cost so much money others yeah. are probably a little bit more affordable usc is one that comes to mind that's very expensive and yeah hard to get into. yeah but if you can get into films like nyu or usc mm -hmm. there is a lot of benefit to that yeah so i'd say probably the biggest thing you would get would be the the uh community you'd be surrounding yourself with every single yeah. day um and the the connections you can make yeah but then again you can make that outside yeah of film school as mm -hmm. well so i don't think you're gonna learn you might learn some more technicalities that you can't like maybe the art of like actual film like yeah. you know like, i don't know any of that um i'm sure it's probably on youtube though but, but also, yeah, yeah but like also uh set etiquette you know understanding yeah. what things are called we call sandbags dirt we call tripod sticks you know mm -hmm. those types of things you learn yeah um and you when you go to a a true film school they do throw mm -hmm. you onto real sets yeah so you do get some of that experience but those are all things that i got experience from in real life yeah and well. same for me so yeah, i didn't go to often i got paid for it uh -huh. <laughs> so. yeah i didn't go to film school so i can't really say if, if i think it's worth it or not but i'd yeah. say just do your research maybe whatever school you're interested in look up reviews on youtube from other people who went there yeah. that's you know so that's a tough question to answer um, it's so expensive and yeah. it's hard to justify it and mm -hmm. i think every Everybody's path is different. Yeah, so. One, there's a guy named Tim Ferriss, and I can't remember yeah. what he's the what he calls this. But let's say you spent a hundred thousand on film school. What if you took that hundred thousand and spent it on education outside, plus all this gear, funding your own short films, yeah. like paying for private coaches? I don't know, whatever you want to do. But yeah, there's different ways to go about education. Yeah. Yeah. Go to go to VidCon, go to Vid Summit, mm -hmm. go to film conferences. Yeah, uh, buy Ryan Connolly's one on one course. Yep. You know those types yeah. of things like. That doesn't all add up to 100000 I guarantee you. Uh-huh. And it might give you more value anyways. Yeah. And so the biggest thing I could probably recommend would be relationships. Mm. So important for anyone that's listening. Uh, relationships, guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... Uh, I mean, obviously, Sam Elkins is, is your example of that mm -hmm. and how... I mean, you just reach out to his uh, request, and yep. also you yeah. do. Even though you live far away, you still mm -hmm. were drivable. You know? Yes, so yes. maybe even mm -hmm. consider if you're mo if you live in a, a rural area, mm -hmm. consider maybe moving to a more metropolitan area or something. But, yeah, so yeah. So you can be surrounded by other creatives. Mm -hmm. So yeah, pretty much just try to like make friends because I feel like friend friends hire friends. Mm -hmm. You know, you're. You, people do go out and hire people or post job postings for film and stuff yeah. but it's so easy to just hire like when I have a job come up and I need someone to help me I just call up my buddy Justin like hey come help me and yeah. then my other buddy so it's like you just gotta keep building friends and offering value mm -hmm. and then the second thing would be like passion pro i'd say spec or passion projects um spec would be work under speculation that it can get you hired uh -huh. let's say you do something for oakley obviously it's like be a mock oakley ad yeah mm -hmm. yeah so it'd be cool if you can get hired by oakley but if you think about it there's so many other sunglasses companies yeah so they can see what you're made of and you could get hired by them yeah um and i'm still trying to figure that out myself is how to get my work in front of the right people to get mm -hmm. hired by um but then passion projects would be passion like 
create something that you're passionate about that yeah. you don't care if this leads to anything else yeah you got to do something that like fuels you and do it because you love to do it which mm -hmm. i need to do more of myself so yeah yeah well, again it's a long-term game don't be too hard on yourself oh yeah <laughs> so for those listening relationships and passion projects and yeah yeah and then also like like the the moment you stop showing your work is the moment I think you'll stop getting work. Mm. You know, that's not like when I when I keep posting, like my Instagram gets seen more or whatever, mm -hmm. my YouTube gets seen more and I get more inquiries or people mm -hmm. reaching out and the moment you like out of sight, out of mind, you know. You, so I'm, I'm scrolling through your Instagram as you're talking. I'm uh -huh. not ignoring you. Um, but I'm noticing that there's just a lot of great behind the scenes shots and you're in mm -hmm. them. So who's yeah. taking those photos? Yeah. So my wife is in this room and <laughs> she's probably at least half of those. Heck I'm like, yeah. honey, you gotta grab this this will make for some great instagram posts so do you guys actually work together when you um, do shoots and stuff or is she like there to help you with the instagram Ollie, specifically um no i'll usually just drag her along for <laughs> shoots and i'm yeah she doesn't really yeah she doesn't really do the whole filmmaking stuff but she's there on filming days yeah, so. i married one of those as well yeah <laughs> except now she uh takes care of our amazing kids oh and yeah that's way harder than oh that's a tough job yeah because <laughs> there's no off switch yeah and bringing up instagram what's funny is i was kind of like struggling like what what do i do to grow or get seen more and then i remember i posted uh like a funny video of me no what was it no sam elkin started getting these uber deals uh -huh. and like the company uber yeah uber they like sponsored so it's not like commercials for uber but a sponsored post for uber okay. um so i'd film him going around los angeles or utah or whatever like using uber and they're using the features that they wanted in the video and then those started getting some traction and i'm like okay like people really liked them and we were just like making those things we would try to get in-camera transitions uh -huh. which i'm a real big fan of yeah so i'd like plan out like my in-camera transitions and then for one of them I'm, I'm like serena here get a shot of me doing this whip transition uh -huh. so i and then i posted that on my instagram and it just started getting some traction Heck yeah. i would do like on the top would be the the actual edit and at mm -hmm. the bottom would be the behind the scenes of me filming it and how nice. i actually did it yeah and then I started posting more behind the scenes stuff and before you know it, like my Instagram started taking off. Wow. And um, then then what happened? And then this is probably the coolest part. Epidemic Sound reached out, which yeah. they're they're a huge royalty free sound. I use them, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. And they they were doing a big project in New York uh -huh. and they contacted me probably like two weeks before they were gonna film it. Uh -huh. And uh, I like called Sam up. I'm like, Sam, what do you even charge for this? I want to know a quote or something. And so I, f I ended up getting the job and nice. that was like, and I was able to take my wife along and, yeah. and I was like so nervous because I knew that, uh, another filmmaker was filming Maddie Hapoya and Peter McKinnon in Dubai yeah. mm -hmm. and I'm like I gotta make these videos just as good I'm like I was so nervous they wouldn't be as good so yeah, I yeah. poured my heart and soul into these videos like wow. gave it everything I got and um, filmed as much b-roll as I could mm. I, I remember uh, we filmed with Rob Stroke he's a photographer and I just wanted this specific shot of him walking through the New York City steam coming through the ground yeah we probably I probably did that 30 times <laughs> like I, I did so it when direct and shooting basically. pretty much it was a very run and gun scenario and that's what i kind of specialize in actually is the dp director at the same time yeah um Anyways. so yeah, yeah long story short like the we i go home edit the videos they all turned out great awesome. and then they uh and then i got to do like five youtube videos for them because wow. they liked the whole series so much i was wondering about that because if again if you go on your website which mm -hmm. is is it benhessfilms.com yeah yeah um there's like some of your client work and there's like five epidemic sound videos yeah there. So i was like wow yeah so there, there's the <laughs> They're a big client yeah and so those five videos they must have really loved led them. to i don't i don't think that the tutorials are on my website but they're on epidemic sounds youtube mm -hmm. so i did the five videos for YouTube after I did the three series in New York and then they're like hey we got something in Sweden mm. and I'm like sweet so we go to Sweden sweet. Sweden sweet. yeah and then Love after it. that uh no there was some, yeah there either I don't remember what was first but then there was another gig in New York where they came down to New York for I think it was VidCon or uh -huh. something like that uh -huh. and so I go down and shoot a promo video for them and they loved it wow. and then they they wanted then they just started hiring me for four YouTube videos a month for them mm. so it's like all from one person and this is okay this is where it gets crazy so looking <laughs> and this is where Polar Pro comes in as well and so the uh 
how do how do I begin this? So Peter McKinnon is kind of tied in with Samuel Elkins a little bit because they're both big photographers. And, and they shoot on the 1DX. <laughs> yeah. And then um, I go to, or no, I remember Peter McKinnon DMs me one day and I'm like, I like wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is the yeah. best day ever. Um, <laughs> and I think because he started, I asked them how he kind of found me and I think it was kind of through Samuel Elkins sure. and some of the Uber videos. Yeah. Um, which, if you guys are listening, if you think back, those that first free kind of meeting I did with Samuel Elkins, this is all leading up to here. Yeah. And then, um, so I meet up with Peter McKinnon, and he's filming this documentary for Angels and Airwaves. Mm-hmm. And so, and he saw that I have my anamorphic lenses, and mm-hmm. he wanted some cool flares for this documentary he's making. Yeah. And so I ended up, uh, you know, going to Vegas and San Diego with Peter McKinnon, and then I asked him, "Oh, I need some uh, filters. Should I get the?" I got the EOS R recently. I was like, "Oh, should I get the Polar Pro ones or the uh, like the in, the, the one built-in one, the built-in one?" And he's like, "Dude, I got you." And so he sends me the Polar Pro ones. Yeah, heck yeah. And that's why I kind of kind of got connected with uh, with, with Polar, Polar Pro. Pro. And then and now you're here. <laughs> well, so I'll take it back even further at Vid. Is it Vid, Vid Summit or what's the one that was you guys were just at? Vid Summit. Vid Summit. Yeah. So I ran into the guys at Polar Pro. I started talking with them. So you went to Mid Summit? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then the Daryl Leaves convention. Yes, yeah. yes. And then uh Sean Holiday, Peter's uh-huh. manager, gave a talk and said how they contacted Epidemic Sound to do that initial Music Matters campaign. So which it's is like what you shot. Which is what I shot. And I can't remember I think they one of the girls, her name's Josephine. I owe it all to her. She found me, I think, on Instagram, or maybe it was Peter. I don't know, but somehow they found me. Yeah. Uh, I got to figure out exactly how because everything was life changing after that. But yeah. uh, <laughs> like, it's so crazy how it's like, you know, I got hired because Peter McKinnon and Sean Holiday had this idea for Epidemic Sound, and that got me all these gigs. And like, now I'm connected with you guys, and it's yeah. like, it's crazy you what can a, happen. Yeah. And while we're on that topic of Polar Pro, let's talk about the, uh, the, deal that we did with you the Ben Hess uh and Polar Pro Basecamp video um and we you know we just released the Basecamp mm-hmm. oh, system yeah. it's just a, a like a lightweight map box system uh-huh. there's really nothing like it on the market um it is a closed system so you mm-hmm. can't use like traditional 4x5 filters and things like yeah, that yeah. but there's a reason for it it's it's super lightweight mm-hmm. it's super rugged there's actual frame around the glass you can't just like it's not just a naked piece of glass that you just drop and then it just shatters everywhere oh yeah so tell me about your your base camp video your experience with the product and things like that yeah so they asked me to, they're like hey we're coming out with something you know new would you like to try it out i'm like yes i'd love to yeah. and so um i got it in the mail and first i was like wow this is super lightweight because i used the tilta one prior mm-hmm. and i just like special ordered this little case from like airy to like hold six different indie filters yeah so i'd put that on on my belt i'd be running around like new york like trying to change filters solo yeah. like it was it was a mess and yeah, um that's the beauty of the base camp is it's vnd yeah and so it cha- <laughs> yeah it basically it solved the huge problem like i shoot handheld quite a bit or on my on my easy rig uh-huh. and the my kit is pretty heavy and so anything i could do to lighten it yeah saves a lot like after a full day of shooting if it's only two pounds lighter that's a lot on your back yeah so it uh so I love the lightweight capabilities of it. And then also you only have two different filters, the, mm-hmm. or for variable ND, the two to five and six to nine. Yeah. So super, super convenient for me to be able to change that exposure because I'm such a running gun shooter. Yeah. Sometimes you can miss a shot if you can't change filters quick enough, totally. you know, so. And were you yeah. using um, diffusion filters in the past on your Mapbox um, at all? Yeah, so there was a few times, like, like I've- the Pro Mist Yeah, things. I just started using some of those recently. Well, we're um, making a diffusion filter. I so. saw that, I like that. <laughs> so uh, hang in there for that. Yeah, and so, um, but yeah, super great product. I love how you can even take off is it the the core or like the the outer core yeah to make it like a super like let's say just for a ronin 2 or a movie or yeah. something you could it's basically the the hood and all that oh yeah that's you what can, you, okay yeah it's basically you just have just uh essentially a filter that's just kind of mounted to your lens with nothing mm, around it mm-hmm. so it's super lightweight yeah so overall just super impressed with the product and that's going to definitely cool. be on my kit a majority of the time for filming well, you're, so <laughs> you're definitely the demographic for that product and uh, we're happy that you made that awesome video about it thank you <laughs> talk to me about your anamorphic experience going into the atlas system if if uh, and let's start from the basics um what is anamorphic and why is especially atlas so important to the film community yeah so with anamorphics 
that's um, basically where black bars came from. You know, <laughs> so everyone's adding black bars in, but a lot of people don't know why. Yeah. And so with anamorphic, you're literally stretching. You're getting two times the field of view. You get mm -hmm. like this amazing um, bokeh. You get the flares, mm -hmm. just really nice characteristics. And mm -hmm. sometimes it's like bad characteristics in a sense, like your image kind of gets distorted or yeah. stuff, but that's what makes it look so cinematic sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at all the big time commercials, I noticed they were all shot on anamorphic. So I'm like, if only I had anamorphic, which is probably not the best mindset, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, luckily in my circumstance, I was able to, you know, kind of pick some up. And so I saved. I originally was just going to get one lens. I was actually able to get two lenses. We have the 40 and the 60. 40 and the 60. Nice. Um, and a lot of people don't realize this, but um, with anamorphic, the that focal range is not what you think. Mm -hmm. Because... It, you're getting it's kind of like medium format in a way where mm -hmm. if if you have a medium format camera and you put a 50 millimeter lens on it you get the compression of a 50 yep but like the wideness of like a 35 yeah so yeah. is that true with anamorphic kind of correct yeah so you basically uh it's a for a two times uh, 2x anamorphic uh there's 1.3x there's like a 1.5x you want 2x if you can do 2x it. is the best um and so it'll Let's say you put use a 50 millimeter lens, or I have a 40, so I get the the depth of field of a 40 millimeter lens, but the width of a 20. Wow! So it's so that's actually a very wide lens. Yeah, in, in quotes. Right? So it's a pretty wide lens. Um, but you get the the compression of a 40, mm -hmm, not a mm -hmm. not a 20, which would have been which is really distorted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so with in like let's say you shoot with a 20 millimeter lens and just throw on some black bars in the end, you it's still not the same because you. It's it's really hard to explain, I guess, without visuals, but yeah. it's just not the same. <laughs> so the obviously this all originate. The reason that it's so popular is because intuitively it's it's something that reminds us of traditional film. Yeah. And the reason yeah. that it was created originally for real filmmaking, like on actual film, was to add a wider field of view to 35 millimeter film, which mm -hmm. is a, a box. It's a four by three aspect ratio. Yeah. And if you were to film a wider frame, which would technically be crop on that strip of film, you would lose a lot of resolution. You're losing mm -hmm. half of that quality. So yeah. the anamorphic lenses basically bend the image and compress all this uh, wideness, all this extra field of view into a box, a four by three box, mm -hmm. which was traditional film. They would, d you know, print it on film in that way and then they would project it using basically a reverse lens on the projector oh, yeah. <laughs> that would project it in a super wide field of view and a lot of people say that two three five to one which is what anamorphic is uh -huh. traditionally is what your eyeballs actually see so if, like if you actually think about what you're looking at right now with your eyes it's actually it's, a super long and long wide, yeah. wide image so that's you know it's it's more cinematic mm -hmm. you get a better experience and back in the old days of film they were able to compress a lot of resolution into a four by three mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's super nerdy but so there you go yeah and then um i was look, looking into atlas i mean looking into anamorphic lenses and then i noticed uh atlas is a brand we're coming yeah. out with this new pair of or new set of lenses which were quotes affordable compared to typical and yeah. anam most anamorphics cost about thirty thousand dollars each mm -hmm. And the Atlas ones were coming in at just $9,000 each. Yeah. And so I was it's like... a fraction of the cost. Yeah. It's, it's still ridiculous, but... It's a lot of money, and mm -hmm. but luckily, like, they're still back-ordered. So it's like, yeah. if I need to sell those, like, I could sell them for probably more than... Yeah. Which, with probably cameras, you can't do that. With, len with certain lenses, you probably can sell them for more than what you bought them for, That's but... That's uh, a lot of cinematographers always really say invest in glass, not bodies, because mm -hmm. you can... If you get hired for a shoot, just rent a body and use your glass. Yeah. Because it can carry its value um you know a good friend of mine who's a big dp in nashville he just bought a set of cook at, uh cook lenses oh man <laughs> and you know he dropped you know 60 grand on all that or whatever yeah um instead of buying a red and mm. he was smart because he's had those same lenses now for about six seven years yeah he brings yeah. them on every shoot in uh as cameras upgrade, he's able to have the same class. Yep, yep, that's how it's done. But so. yeah, so Atlas came out of nowhere, kind of, and uh -huh. um, started developing true anamorphic lenses at a, quote, 
affordable price mm-hmm. in the cinema world it's actually extremely affordable it's actually a huge deal in the cinema world yeah yeah, yeah. so that's how you got those do you have a relationship with atlas i know they're here um in Hollywood, right? no i mean i've gone down to their warehouse or yeah. to their office and chatted with them and they they know me but uh yeah, yeah that was yeah no really deals with them that i've done or anything yeah. so if cool. you guys want to let me know <laughs> i can, I can which, swoop um, on another lens <laughs> which lens do you like the most out of the two that you own so it's interesting the bokeh is amazing with the 65 Five, mm-hmm. super cinematic the flitters are okay i mean they're amazing they're really good because you you know there's no flares with anything other than anamorphic yeah um that you can get like that but with the 40 i there's a roger deacon's youtube video out there that just talks about how you're able to get closer to the subject yeah and you just feel the psychology of being closer and with a 40 or yeah or with any like the wider lenses probably like 35 and below or whatever yeah. and so i just love to shoot wider so i can get closer to the subject mm-hmm. and so that's why i gravitate gravitate towards the 40 you just there's not as much bokeh or not not as big of bokeh um, but I just love the feeling of it and the the flares on the 40 are to die for. Like, yeah. so people ask me, should I get the 40 or 65? And I, I tell them, if you want Boca 65, if you want flares 40. So and what, um, how do you deal with the close focusing issues of anamorphic? Cause that's a known, uh, issue with them is that mm-hmm. often you can't like, if I wanted to film you right now with the 40, that might be a little too close. Yeah. Right? So the close focus on the anamorphic is actually on the Atlas is actually really good, which it's only like two and a half feet. Most of them are like four feet, I think. Oh, wow. Um, but I have what's called a diopter. Mm-hmm. So I'll place that on front. Um, you could put, there's some matte box diopters or there's some like screw on matte boxers. I mean, screw on diopters, uh-huh. but with, uh, um, for smaller lenses, you could do screw on, but for the, cinema lenses you need a drop in or uh i have like this one that i kind of like sandwich between uh my old tilta map box uh-huh. and i have to use rails for it and i'll like squish it between my lens and my uh okay. the map box so. so is it basically like it's almost like a magnifying glass yeah uh, it's those same physics it's a 400 magnifying glass so. yeah and so that <laughs> allows you to focus on almost macro i guess yeah right? yeah so you could put it on any lens but um, then you lose infinity at that point right um yeah so you could only focus it depends on the lens but only focus from let's say like a foot to three feet you, okay. you can't focus anymore so if you want to shoot something far away you got to take it out so, so. It's, a, it's an intentional thing that you put in there when you need it yeah it's a little cumbersome but the the shots and like the bokeh gets insane yeah. <laughs> on that's, a, a diopter yeah that's just the beauty of the so. physics of of uh the way lensing works is mm-hmm. the closer you are to your lens the more bokeh you get because mm-hmm. well there's just more stuff behind you yeah yeah so, very cool do you think youtubers should shoot anamorphic um <laughs> probably not because if yeah, yeah i think it's overkill i've done it a few times because i just can't i'm like i have to shoot anamorphic have but you i'm shot with uh sam in anamorphic yes i've shot with him quite a few times on anamorphic it's a big setup. You can't, you know, there's no autofocus stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I recently picked up the EOS R just because it would give me the, I could set the autofocus on my face, just yeah. take a step back and film. But with anamorphic, it was just a little too much. <laughs> have you shot any YouTube videos of yourself in anamorphic? Yes, I have. And half of it's out of focus. So that's yeah. <laughs> why I stopped doing it. <laughs> One day, hopefully, we'll see more anamorphics uh, in the affordable range. I yeah. saw a company, I think Lawa maybe, is making like a, uh, Sony E-mount, yeah. 50 mil, anamorphic. A lot of those are kind uh-huh. of halfway. They're not the same, like the SLR Magic mm-hmm. uh, adapters. A lot of people love those. Yeah, not um, quite true anamorphic. And there's some anamorphics coming out, but only for like micro four thirds cameras, yeah. which they're costing less because of course the, there's less glass. You have to, yeah. have to manufacture those, I'd assume. So. Yeah, I think I saw one recently. Yeah, it's it's going to be like a 40 on a GH5 yeah, and it'll be around like five grand, which mm-hmm. like, again, you know, it, it, for for people who own a GH5, you know, that camera costs 1200 bucks. It shoots mm-hmm. 6K anamorphic 10 bit internal. Oh yeah. With stabilization on the sensor, like, yeah, that's cool. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so to close our great conversation, uh-huh. by the way, I've really enjoyed this. Thank uh, you. Me as well. Me as well. <laughs> um, what What would kind of be your your thing to say to again to somebody who's starting out? What's kind of your main message that you want to get across to people who are just now getting started? Yeah, I'd say uh, passion projects. Shoot what you love. Um, post the work that you want to get. I'd say that's huge. You know, whatever type of work you want to be getting, you have to be shooting that content. And if you're not getting hired for it, 
pull out your wallet, go book, you know, a model or something yeah. do, and uh, go film. And yeah, I'd say you basically create your own opportunity as well. Yes. That's huge. Don't wait around for the right client or the right work to come your way. You have to create it yourself, in my opinion. Um, yeah, that's what I wish I would have done long ago. So you've really, uh, you've really done that with your own work, though, because obviously the Sam Elkins, and the mm-hmm. Epidemic, the Pierre McKinnon, you didn't necessarily like re- intend to have those opportunities. It was because you went out and did it, and you made it happen, and and you know you reach out to Sam in that case, but yeah. you also had the spec work to show that you knew what you're talking about. So yeah, it's so important to go make it happen. It's not going to just land in your lap. Yeah, and a lot of times, like I. Th- think about it myself like oh if only i reached out to again like oakley let's for example let's say i reached out to them and said hey can i make a commercial for you but if i don't have anything to even show them mm. why would they hire me you need to have a, a real not not necessarily a real i mean probably a real but you mm. need to have a set of videos that can show your your talent and capabilities mm. and there's all the agencies and stuff which is i'm still trying to figure all that stuff out as well yeah. but um you know i think just having a body of work that really reflects what you want to be filming is so mm. crucial and then again friendships guys so <laughs> yes absolutely i think it's not really what you know it's who you know oh yeah saying yep. right and um i you know you didn't mention this but i can just tell from an hour of talking to you that you're a very friendly and outgoing person so <laughs> thank that, you <laughs> that helps like you want to want to be around the people that you hire yeah and that's yeah. so valuable to be kind to be considerate to, mm-hmm. to work hard and that's another thing that i've seen from our just our conversation mm-hmm. you put your blood sweat and tears into every opportunity that you've been given yeah you have to uh-huh. and it pays off because these yeah. people that you work with are like wow he really went above and beyond mm-hmm. and he was polite and kind and on time and prompt these types of things are so valuable oh yeah yeah and on time in la traffic Ooh, that's a tough one but yeah. <laughs> it's all good yeah man. well ben thank you so much for coming in to the uh the podcast here it was well thank pleasure. you for having us so. yeah, great to meet you and uh yeah we'll see you next time all righty see ya I hope you guys enjoyed my interview with Ben Hess. It was a pleasure meeting him and getting to know him. Hit him up on Instagram and let him know that you enjoyed the interview as well. And if you haven't already, I would encourage you to please leave a rating and review in the Apple Podcast app. It really helps get the word out that this podcast exists for people who are interested in the creative space. So please review it and give it a couple stars if you think it's worth it. I hope you guys had an enjoyable Thanksgiving last week and bought a bunch of stuff for Cyber Monday. We've got a couple more weeks until Christmas, so hang in there. We have another amazing guest next week, so make sure to subscribe to the Golden Hour Podcast and get ready for that next Tuesday. Once again, I'm Dave Mays here in the Polar Pro Studio, and we'll see you next week.